Hello and welcome back to Gimme the Creeps with Abby and Daniela. Hello, hello. And we're back with another riveting tale. Ooh. <laughs> tale. Okay. Now, have you been watching the news? Uh, somewhat, yes. Yes, okay. Now, I don't know if the rest of you have or not, but probably. And you've heard about Roe versus Wade being mm-hmm. threatened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I kind of wanted to do an episode on that somehow. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get this to work. And I don't want to sound like I'm like, Standing on my fucking soapbox, like, screaming at the void, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I also knew that it was going to, like, ruffle feathers and shit, but I was like, that part I really don't care about. It's just I don't want to, like, sound like a broken record and just, and mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. comes here to fucking listen to, like, political shit, you know what I mean? Right. So... Though it is important what is happening, but, um, yeah. So I was, like, looking through a bunch of, like, articles and stuff, trying to find something that could be, like, even remotely interesting and that had to do with um, all the abortion talk and stuff. And I ended up stumbling upon a Times article that talked about deadly attacks on abortion providers and other anti-abortion violence and it got me thinking how are you going to be against murder like quote-unquote of a baby and shit but you go turn around and do like these fucking terrible things to these people that like it's it's just it that provide an ethical service yes and it's just fucking weird and sick and crazy. And I was like, okay, that is right up our fucking alley. Yes, ma'am. Right, yes. So um, that's what we're going to fucking talk about today. Oh, hold on to your horses. Yes, we are going to talk about anti-abortion violence and all of that, all the bad things that have happened to people that have tried to help uh, these women through mm. the years. Ooh. Yep. We're doozy. Good you warned there. me this morning, but nothing I prepared did. me. <clears throat> so before we begin, the entire episode is a huge ass trigger warning. So mm. if you want to skip it, we'll see you next week. If not, then buckle the fuck up because we're going mm-hmm. for a crazy ass ride. Ooh. Crazy, crazy. Okay. Everything's so crazy. What does he so say? Crazy. Everything's so crazy. <laughs> I need my parent tablets. <laughs> what are you giving him? It's just the aspirin with the A and the S escaped off. Genius. <laughs> I know. How, <laughs> how long can we go without quoting the we birdcage? I needed that. We can quote the whole movie. Right. Okay. 
(laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So to begin, I want to give a short summary on... uh... (sighs) (laughs) That was Planned Parenthood sending you an email. (laughs) Your birth control's ready. I'm just You're right. I don't fucking use birth control. (laughs) (laughs) She's free balling. I am because the... (laughs) The fucking pollution in this fucking place has <laughs> made me infertile. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, but really, tale for it real. is. I oh my god! Uh, and ooh. and oh no! But who wants to be a handmaid? Really think about it. I mean, nobody wants to do that. But sure, I mean, you're cozy. You know but you know. <laughs> you know what? Though there might be a little bit of people. There are women that are that. Willing to be, they like yeah, being pregnant. Like they I mean, see it, I don't blame them. They see it as a, you know, I'm really a honestly service. kind of surprised that there aren't women depicted in that show. That some, I mean, there has to be at least one that is like, maybe, I'm doing right. a service to God. You know what I mean? True. Okay, maybe that maybe they will have now that the new season's coming out. Maybe there's going to be activists that are for the new. I mean, you know, Gilead or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, we've heard of some. Remember whenever true. they got arrested, when Serena and what's his fuck got arrested. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. Yeah. But I just, okay, well, I know I get it. Now That's that, weird. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it before because it's just it's automatically like who the fuck wants to do this? But there are people that are that mm-hmm. uh, brainwashed, that are that delusional, like they. True. They think it's a genuine service to God that they're doing the right thing for. It was Janine for a little while there, wasn't but it? That, How she, she was like, was like she was excited. They broke her ass, is what they did. They did, yeah. That maybe they will portray more, or maybe in the book there are more characters that are maybe I haven't read portrayed the book, that way. So maybe, You're but right. then again, like surrogates are pretty common now, but in, in that universe, I'm not sure if like all the surrogates are gone and nobody wants to, um, unless it's for their own family or household. Like they don't want to have kids. Right. I don't know. I don't know But either. that is an interesting point. It is. Like they're, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. But I know. And Hunter was always like telling me what it's not, because every time I would be watching Handmaid's Tale, I'd be so worked up, right? And I'd be like mm-hmm. talking about this and that. And he'd be like, it's okay. You know, it's not real. And now look at this. Mm-hmm. that's going on. Mm-hmm. Anywho. <laughs> yep. That is for goddamn sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... <clears throat> So yeah, just in case there are people out there that are listening that don't know anything about Roe versus Wade, um, I'm going to give a short summary. And I honestly wasn't 100% sure what it all like entailed until I like did, I was like reading about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Okay, that makes sense. And I don't know why it's trying to be like I don't know why they're trying mm. to overturn it when right. it just makes sense. Like it's an agenda. It's part of the agenda, as they say about that. yeah, everything. About everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they focus on one specific thing that they know people it's gonna tug at people's hearts and then they just use that. 
Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I I really just want to mention really quick because we talked about eugenics recently. And so it's like they don't want people having babies or they do want people having babies. Like you have to make up your goddamn mind. But is it even really like that about it, it's not even like about the babies. They just want to tell you what to do. They just want to be able to tell you what you can and can't do. Right. There you go. Yeah. So they're going to just be arresting people at the border, I guess. I yeah, know that's where just, you're just heading. Exactly. Didn't oh they God. just release a new documentary on Roe versus Wade? They before you go? did, and it was about um, Jane Roe or whatever the hell her name yes, is. Yes, exactly. But did I was, you watch it? I was thinking about that this morning and because I, I saw it on Hulu, and I was like, they did that really fast. Like, it's coincidence that this just happens mm-hmm. to come out when mm-hmm. they're going to do So I was like, what is that? Maybe they started working on it after Texas signed that bill. Maybe. That makes a little bit of sense. I hadn't thought Cause, of that. Because, geez, if all the states followed suit, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anywho, now you can oh, yes. educate us. <clears throat> okay. So in Roe versus Wade, the court said that a fetus is not a person but potential life and thus does not have constitutional rights of its own. The court also set up a framework in which the women's rights, or the women's right to abortion and the state's right to protect potential life, potential life, damn it, potential life shift. There it is. (laughs) During the first trimester of pregnancy, a woman's privacy right is the strongest, and the state may not regulate abortion for any reason. During the second trimester, the state may regulate abortion only to protect the health of the woman. And during the third trimester, the state may regulate or prohibit abortion to promote its interest in the potential life of the fetus, except where abortion is necessary to preserve the woman's life or health. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Like, it makes sense to have this sort of rule. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know, it just blows my mind. So, okay, so now that we know what that is about, um, I want to give a, uh, I guess, a definition of, or what is considered uh, anti-abortion violence. So anti-abortion violence is violence committed against individuals and organizations that perform abortions or provide abortion counseling. Incidents of violence have included destruction of property, including vandalism, crimes against people, including kidnapping, stalking, assault, attempted murder, and murder, and crimes affecting both people and property, including arson and terrorism, such as bombings. Anti-abortion extremists are considered a current domestic terrorist threat by the United States Department of Justice. Most documented incidences have occurred in the United States, though they have also occurred in Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. Those who engage in or support such actions defend the use of force with claims of justifiable homicide or defense of others in the interest of protecting the life of the fetus. David C. Nice of the University of Georgia describes support for anti-abortion violence as a political weapon against women's rights, one that is associated with tolerance for violence towards women. Numerous organizations have also recognized anti-abortion extremists as a form of Christian terrorism. 
Isn't mm. that crazy? Ooh. Yep. I was waiting for that T word. Yes. <clears throat> so according to Wikipedia, at least 11 murders occurred in the in the United States since 1990, as well as 41 bombings and 140, 173 arsons at clinics since 1977. <sighs> at least one murder occurred in Australia as well as several attempt, attempted murders in Canada. There were... 1,793 abortion providers in the United States in 2008, as well as 197 abortion providers in Canada in 2001. The National Abortion Federation reported between uh, 1,356 and (laughs) and 13,415 incidents of picketing at United States providers each year from 1995 to 2014. Mm. <clears throat> so now we're going to get into the crimes. So the first abortion doctor killed was David Gunn. On March 10th, 1993, Dr. David Gunn was shot and killed by an opponent of abortion during a protest outside his clinic in Pensacola, Florida. His death was the first known killing of an abortion provider in the United States, according to the National Abortion Federation, which is an advocacy group. Mm. The gunman, Michael F. Griffin, shot Dr. Gunn three times in the back as he approached the rear entrance of the clinic. And Mr. Griffin turned himself over to the police just moments later, telling them, I've shot Dr. Gunn. Mr. Griffin was convicted of the murder in March 1994. March 1984, and was sentenced to life in prison. The murder of Dr. Gunn was not the first time that Pensacola had been the site of anti-abortion violence, and it would not be the last. On Christmas Day 1984, two doctor's offices and a clinic were bombed by opponents of abortion who were later arrested, convicted, and jailed. Anti-abortion violence returned to Pensacola, One year after the death of Dr. Gunn, when Paul J. Hill, a well-known anti-abortion protester, shot and killed Dr. John Bayard Britton and a clinic volunteer, James H. Barrett, outside a women's health center in July 1994. Mr. Barrett's wife, June, was also wounded in the shooting. Mr. Hill, a former minister, was well-known for advocating violence against abortion doctors and had and he had praised the killing of Dr. Gunn. He was arrested mm. shortly after the shooting as he tried to flee the scene, the police said at the time. He was convicted in December 1994 of first-degree murder and was sentenced to death. In the interview before his execution in 2003, Mr. Hill said that the killing of Dr. Gunn in 1993 had inspired him to kill Dr. Britton. <clears throat> mm. I think it's Britton. Maybe it's Brighton. Um I believe in the short and long term, more and more people will act on the principles for which I stand, he said. I'm willing and I feel very honored that they are most likely going to kill me for what I did. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Dr. George Tiller, one of the few doctors in the United States who provided abortions late in pregnancy, was a frequent frequent target of anti-abortion violence and was killed in 2009 by Scott Rodier. 
as he stood in the foyer of his church. A witness who was serving as an usher alongside Dr. Tiller at the church that day told the court that Mr. Rodier entered the foyer, put a gun to the doctor's head, and pulled the trigger. Mm. At trial, Mr. Rodier admitted to killing Dr. Tiller and said he did it to protect unborn babies. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. At his sentencing, he told the court that God's judgment would sweep over this land like a prairie wind. Dr. Tiller was shot once before in 1993 by Shelley Shannon, an anti-abortion activist who compared abortion providers to Hitler and said she believed that justifiable justifiable force was necessary to stop abortions. Miss Shannon was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the shooting of Dr. Tiller and later confessed to vandalizing and burning a string of abortion clinics in California, Nevada, and Oregon. John Salvi shot and killed two receptionists and injured five other people at two abortion clinics in suburban Boston in December 1994. He was arrested days later in Norfolk, Virginia, moments after opening fire at an abortion clinic there. The victims, Shannon Loney, 25, and Leanne Nichols, 38, worked at separate Planned Parenthood clinics. Uh, oh, man, that was, I've been waiting for that one to come out. Uh, worked at separate Planned Parenthood clinics on the same street in Brookline, Massachusetts. Witnesses said that Mr. Salvi, dressed in all black, entered both buildings. Man. Entered both buildings, <laughs> confirmed they were abortion clinics, and opened fire. Mr. Salvi, whose lawyer said he experienced schizophrenic delusions, was convicted of murder in March 1996 and sentenced to two terms of life in prison. He died in jail of an apparent suicide in November 1996. James Cope, I think it's Cope, uh, was convicted of the murder of Dr. Barnett Slipian, Slipian, an ob- obstetrician who provided abortion services in the Buffalo area and has been named a suspect in the shooting of several abortion providers in Canada. Mr. Cope's, or Mr. Cope hid in the woods behind Dr. Slipian's home in October 1998 and shot him through the window with a high-powered, a high-powered rifle, killing him. As he stood in his kitchen with his family. Oh, my, oh my God. God. No. Dr. Slipian had just returned from a memorial service for his father when he was killed. What the fuck? What the hell? Mm-mm. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Cope spent several years on the run in Mexico, Ireland, and France before he was captured and extradited to the United States. He was convicted of a state charge of second-degree murder in 2003 and sentenced to 25 years in jail. He was convicted in 2007 on a separate federal charge and sentenced to life in prison. I'm sorry. He got 25 years in jail for killing somebody, but because of a federal charge that had nothing to do with murder, he got Mm. life in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, I Mm -hmm. hate the world. I know. Balances. The authorities in Canada also suspected Mr. Cope in the non-lethal attacks on several abortion providers 
who were shot through the windows of their homes. He was charged with the 1995 attempted murder of Dr. Hugh Short, an abortion provider in Ontario, although the charges were dropped after his conviction in New York. Mm. Uh, The police in Canada also named him a suspect in the 1997 shooting of Dr. Jack Feynman in Winnipeg and the 1994 shooting of Dr. Garson Romalis. Ooh, I like that name. (laughs) <laughs> Romalis Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, in Vancouver which was the first attack on an abortion provider in Canada mm. oh my goodness oh, I should have never drank this Red Bull <laughs> it's got me going it's got me going I feel like a fucking energizer bunny your wings have flown mm. It's like my lungs are just <laughs> flapping away in there. I need one more puff of my inhaler. <laughs> That's when you know that I should not be drinking Red Bull if I need to fucking use my inhaler. Just That's your breath. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can breathe. Okay. okay so a remote controlled nail bomb exploded outside a clinic that performed abortions in birmingham alabama in january 2008 instantly killing robert sanderson an off-duty police officer working as a security guard there security guard there and Mm. badly injuring emily lyons a nurse who was left maimed and half blind by the blast Oh my gosh. Yeah. The bomb was planted and detonated by Eric Rudolph, a violent opponent of abortion who also bombed the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, killing one person, Alice Hawthorne, mm-hmm. and injuring more than 100. What? Mr. Rudolph said he bombed the Olympics to anger and embarrass the United States as a punishment for its legalization of abortion. Okay. Okay. As part of a plea deal, Mr. Rudolph pleaded guilty in 2005 to the Olympic bombing as well as the Birmingham clinic bombing and the bombings of two more clinics and a gay bar in Atlanta. Oh, this man's just an all all around piece of complete. He's on a rampage. He, oh my God, he avoided the death penalty but was given four life sentences in prison and an additional 120 years. What the In remarks at his sentencing, Mr. Rudolph expressed remorse for the Olympic bombing, but he called violence against abortion providers a moral duty and said he had fought a good fight. Jesus. Mm. November 27, 2015, a shooting in a Planned Parenthood clinic in Colorado Springs, Colorado, left three dead Mm. and several injured, and a suspect, Robert L. Deere, was apprehended. The suspect had previously acted against other clinics and referred to himself as a warrior of babies at his hearing. Neighbors and former neighbors described the suspect as reclusive, and police from several states where the suspect resided described a history of run-ins dating from at least 1997. As of December 2015, the trial of the suspect was open, but on May 11, 2016, the court declared the suspect incompetent to stand trial after a mental evaluation was completed. Mm. That is stupid. 
So these are other acts of violence that are just not, they're not just like uh, murder and shit, but here we go. In August, and there, the dates are like everywhere. I was literally just like typing down everything that I saw, like one after the other. So the dates are like a lot of whack. Okay. Um, but August 1982, three men identifying as the Army of God kidnapped Hedger. Hedger, what the fuck? My... Hedger? <laughs> Hector Zavalos, wow. A doctor and clinic owner, and his wife, Rosalie Jean holding them for eight days. And I think mm -hmm. there's more to that somewhere else that I probably didn't fucking write down. Of course not. I'll look it up at the end. But, um, <clears throat> damn it, I thought I had written that down. On June 15th, 1984, on Mother's Day weekend, a month after he destroyed suction equipment at a Birmingham clinic, Edward Markley a Benedictine priest who was the Birmingham, the Birmingham diocesan coordinator for pro-life activities and perhaps an accomplice along with him entered the women's community health center in Huntsville, Alabama, assaulting at least three clinic workers. Catherine Wood, one of the workers received back injuries and a broken neck vertebrae while preventing Markley from splashing red paint on the clinic's equipment. Markley was convicted of first-degree criminal mischief, one count of third-degree assault, and one count of harassment in the Huntsville attack. On December 18, 1996, Calvin Jackson, a medical doctor of New Orleans, Louisiana, was stabbed 15 times, losing four pints of blood. Donald Cooper was charged with second-degree attempted murder and was sentenced to 20 years. On October 28, 1997, David Gandell, a medical doctor of Rochester, New York, sustained serious injuries after being targeted by a sniper firing through a window in his home. I think that was that same dude from before, from a, the previous shit I was talking about. <clears throat> On May 26, 1983, Joseph Grace set the Hillcrest Clinic in Norfolk, Virginia, ablaze. He was arrested while sleeping in his van a few blocks from the clinic when a patrol officer noticed the smell of kerosene. Mm. On December 25th, 1984, an abortion clinic and two physicians' offices in Pensacola, Florida, were bombed in the early morning of Christmas Day by a quartet of young people. Matt Goldsby, Jimmy Simmons, Kathy Simmons, and Kay Wiggins, who later called the bombings a gift to Jesus on his birthday. Mm. Oh, Lord. Mm. The clinic, the Ladies' Center, would later be the site of the murder of John Brighton and James Barrett in 1994 and a fire bombing in 2012. March 26, 1986, six anti-abortion activists, including John Burt and Joan Andrews, were arrested after invading an abortion clinic in Pensacola, Florida, causing property damage and injuring two women. 
a clinic manager and a member of the local now chapter. Burt was convicted of attempted burglary, burglary of an occupied building, assault, battery, and resisting arrest without violence, and was sentenced to 141 days, already served in jail, and four years of probation. His 18-year-old daughter, Sarah Burt, who also took part in the invasion, was sentenced to 15 days, 15 days in jail, with credit for two days already served, and three years of probation. Andrews refused to plead not to carry out such actions in the future and was convicted of burglary, criminal mischief, and resisting arrest without violence. She was sentenced to five years in prison, which was spent largely in self-imposed isolation, refusing a mattress and all medical care. Jesus Christ. Mm. In July 27, 1987, eight members of the Bible Missionary Fellowship a fundamentalist church in Santee, California, attempted to bomb the Alvarado Medical Center abortion clinic. Church member Cheryl Sulinger procured gunpowder, bomb materials, and a disguise for co-conspirator Eric Everett Svelmo, uh, who planted a gasoline bomb. It was placed at the premises but failed to detonate as a fuse was blown out by wind. <laughs> okay. That was, was divine intervention right that there. That was definitely there's the fucking <laughs> He said, all right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> On July 3rd, 1989, a fire was started at the Feminist Health Center, Health Center Clinic in Concord, New Hampshire. On the day U.S. Supreme Court upheld a Missouri law banning funding of a public facility as related to abortion. The clinic was set afire again in 2000. Mm. March 29th, 1993, Blue Mountain Clinic in Missoula, Montana. At around 1 a.m., an arsonist snuck onto the premises and firebombed the clinic. The perpetrator, mm. a Washington man, was ultimately caught, convicted, and imprisoned. The facility was a near total loss, but all the patient's records, though damaged, survived the fire and metal file cabinets. Wow. Um, May 21st, 1998, three people were injured when acid was poured at the entrances mm. of five abortion clinics in Miami, Florida. What the fuck is going on oh, in wow. Florida? Yeah, it's wild over there. God. October mm. 1999, Martin Uphoff set fire to a Planned, Par Planned Parenthood clinic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, causing minimal damage. He was later sentenced to 60 months in prison. In May uh, 2000, an arsonist at a clinic in Concord, New Hampshire, resulted in several thousand dollars worth of damage. The, co the case remains unsolved. This was the second arson at the clinic. Jesus. Mm. September 30th, 2000, John Earl, a Catholic priest, drove his car into the Northern Illinois Health Clinic after learning that the FDA had approved the drug RU-486. He pulled out an axe before being forced to the ground by the owner of the building who fired two warning shots from a gunshot. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a shotgun. <laughs> Hold on, I want to see what this drug RU... Is it like a plan B or something? Uh, medication typically used in combination with my, misoprostol... Prostol... 
to bring mm-hmm. about an abortion during pregnancy and maintain and manage mm-hmm. early miscarriage. I on June eleventh, uh, two thousand one. An unsolved ball bombing at a clinic in Tacoma, Washington, destroyed a wall, uh, resulting in $6,000 in damages. The ones that are unsolved are scary. I know, because there's people still out there that just like, got away with something yes. like that. A terrorist attack, essentially. Yes, basically. In January 9, 2005, Eastside Women's Clinic in Olympia, Washington, sustained $500,000 damage. in damages in an arson. And on July 4th, 2008, a clinic in West Palm Beach, Florida, was the target of a probable arson. December 12th, 2005, Patricia Hughes and Jeremy Dunahoe threw a Molotov cocktail at a clinic in Shreveport, Louisiana. The device missed the building and no damage was Mm. caused. In nice. August 2006, Hughes was sentenced to six years in prison and Deno to one year. Hughes claimed the bomb was a memorial lamp for an abortion <laughs> that she had there. <laughs> that is not that's not funny if it's true. But what the fuck? Uh, First of all, what the fuck is a memorial lamp? Uh, I'm picturing a lantern. That's like the kind that they let go. Oh, I don't know. That's what they meant. Ah, that's that is a tricky one. Either way, those are dangerous. Don't yeah. don't release yeah, those. Yeah, for real, <laughs> they're not any better. Um, September eleventh, two thousand six. David McEnemy. McEnemy. <laughs> that's what it looks like. McEnemy. McMen. I just keep thinking of that. Um. It's a very obscure fucking memory, but it's of the Little Mermaid TV show on the Disney Channel. <gasps> and I remember something... an enemy. Yes, holy Anemone. shit! You knew exactly. What I, was I was thinking that too, but I think I got it from Finding Nemo. But that you went even further, I deeper did. into the that one's burned in my memory. <laughs> See an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so David. McMenemy of Rochester Hills, Michigan, crashed his car into an Edgerton Women's Care Center in Davenport, Iowa. He was he mm. then doused the lobby in gasoline and started a fire. McMenemy committed these acts in the belief that the center was performing abortions. However, Edgerton is not an abortion clinic. God damn. Mm. Time magazine listed the incident in a top 10 inept terrorist plots. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Big, big mess up there. What a fucking idiot. Oh my gosh. <sighs> um, mm-hmm. April 25th, 2007, a package left at a women's health clinic in Austin, Texas, contained an explosive device capable of inflicting serious injury or death. A bomb squad detonated the device after evacuating the building. Pa Ross Evans, who had a criminal criminal, who had a criminal record for armed robbery and theft, was found guilty of the crime. Jeez. On May 9, 2007, an unidentified person deliberately set fire to a Planned Parenthood clinic in Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Hmm. On December 6, 2007, Ched. 
Ched, oh my God, my <laughs> brain is like five steps ahead of where it should be. <laughs> Chad Altman and Sergio Baca were arrested for the arson of Curtis Boyd's clinic in Albuquerque. Baca's girlfriend had scheduled an appointment for an abortion at the clinic. So you're mm. just going to burn the whole thing down. Okay. Oh, God, I know. What about the other unborn babies? Oh, babies want to get born. Yeah, there you go. January 22nd, 2009, Matthew L. DeRosia, 32, who was reported to have had a history of mental illness, rammed an SUV into the front entrance of the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Paul, Minnesota, causing between 2000 $500 and $5,000 in damages. DeRosia, who told police that Jesus told him to stop the murders, the murderers, mm. was ruled competent to stand trial. He pleaded guilty in March 2009 to one count of criminal damage to property. So January 1st, 2012, Bobby Joe Rogers, 41, firebombed the American Family Planning Clinic in Pensacola, Florida. It's again with fucking Pensacola. With a Molotov cocktail, the fire gutted the building. Rogers told investigators that he had he was motivated to commit the crime by his opposition to abortion and that what more directly prompted the act was seeing a patient enter the clinic during one of the frequent anti-abortion protests there. The clinic had previously been bombed at Christmas in 1984 and was the site of the murder of John Brighton and James Barrett in 1994. That's just so... I can't. Um, April 1st, 2012, a bomb exploded on the windowsill of a clinic in Grand Chute, Wisconsin, resulting in a fire that caused minimal damage. Uh, April 11th, 2013, Benjamin David Curell, 27, caused extensive damage to a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bloomington, Indiana, vandalizing it with an axe. Carell was convicted in state court of felony burglary and pleaded guilty in federal court to one count of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. Didn't even know there was such a thing. Um, In the federal case, he was sentenced to three years of probation and ordered to pay restitution. Hmm. In September 2015, a Planned Parenthood clinic in Pullman, Washington, was intentionally set on fire. No injuries were reported due to the time of day, but the FBI was involved because of a history of domestic terrorism against the clinic. The crime was never solved, and the clinic reopened six months later. October 22, 2015, a Planned Parenthood clinic in Claremont, New Hampshire, was vandalized by a juvenile intruder. Damaged in the attack were computers, furniture, plumbing fixtures, office equipment, medical equipment, phone lines, windows, and walls. The flooding that resulted from the vandalism also damaged an adjacent business. Damn, that kid got fucking Mm -hmm. fucked after that. October 24th through 25th, 2016... Travis Reynolds, 21, vandalized a Baltimore-area women's health care clinic with anti-abortion graffiti. After being arrested, Reynolds admitted to police that he defaced... I was about to say defecated. (laughs) (laughs) 
that he defaced the clinic's doors, walls, and windows because he thought that it would deter women from using the clinic. <laughs> Reynolds placed, or pleaded guilty in federal court to one court one count of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act in October 2016. March 7th, 2016, Rachel Ann Jackson, 71, vandalized a Planned Parenthood clinic in Columbus, Ohio with the message she was 71 years old but she mm-hmm. vandalized the Planned Parenthood clinic in Columbus, Ohio with the message Satan Den of Baby Killers mm. she pleaded guilty to felony counts of breaking and entering and vandalism and a misdemeanor count of aggravated trespass. Jackson was sentenced to probation with the judge citing her struggle with serious mental illness as a mitigating factor January 23rd, 2021, an unknown individual fired a shotgun at a Tennessee Planned Parenthood clinic. No one was injured. The news outlets noted that the attack took place on the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision and at a time when Tennessee's governor, Bill Lee, was involved in a heated online debate regarding abortion and health care. Jesus. October 31st, 2021. On New Year's Eve, a fire destroyed a Planned Parenthood in Knoxville, Tennessee. The building was closed at the time for renovations. The Knoxville Fire Department and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives ruled the fire arson. The clinic had previously been shot at in January of the same year. So Mm -hmm. then we have some fucking crazy ass shit. But uh, so the first... Hoax letters claiming to contain anthrax were mailed to U.S. clinics in October of 1998, a few days after the shooting of Barnett uh, Slepian. Since then, there have been 655 such bioterror threats made against abortion providers. None of the anthrax, quote unquote, is in these cases was real. So Mm. November 2001, after the genuine... 2001 anthrax attacks clayton wagner mailed hoax letters containing a white powder to 544 clinics on december 3rd 2003 wagner was convicted of 51 charges related to the anthrax scare um and here's another like this is a whole this is where i thought i fucking added the where those people were kidnapped where that what what did i say his name was I was trying to say Hector and Hedger. <laughs> I'm gonna add that. I'm gonna add that a longer description of that here in a second. But um, in the late in the late 1990s, an organization called American Coalition of Life Activities, fuck, of Life Activists, mm. uh, which is ACLA, was accused of implicitly advocating violence by its publication on its Nuremberg Files website and wanted style posters, which featured a photograph of a physician who performed abortions along with a monetary reward for any information that would lead to his arrest, conviction, and revocation of license to practice medicine. Oh my God. The ACLA's website described these physicians as war criminals and accused them of committing crimes against humanity. 
The website also published names, home addresses, telephone numbers, and other personal information regarding mm. abortion providers, no. highlighting the name, the names of those who had been wounded and striking out those of who had been killed. Oh, my God. Yeah. George Tiller's name was included on this list, along with many others. The site was accused of being a thinly veiled hit list intended to incite yeah. violence. Mm. Others claim that it was protest or that it was protected ag- under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. And in 2002, mm. after a prolonged debate, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the posters constituted an illegal threat. Yeah, what the yeah, fuck? What like, the hell? Way to put a target on on people and dogs. Yeah, them. that is fucking terrifying. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. That's read what I'm it. worried about next. With how I think done. Oklahoma too, they just signed something, and the governor even made a joke about like now we can arrest the people coming in from Texas. What pieces? Well, I was just reading they when I was looking at joke. this that right. um, Texas won't charge you with like murder or whatever if you like if you flee if you like go get it done somewhere else. Yeah, or if you get one done illegally, they won't charge you with murder. You'll get charged with oh. something, but it won't be murder. Jeez. Yeah. Before they were saying murder. Yeah, but they I'm really, were. Yeah, I'm really thinking because, okay, here's how I look at it. Even if people still don't think like they could never overturn Roe, Roe v. Wade, that's completely uncon- unconstitutional, it's unrealistic. Even if people still think that way, having um, pro-life have this win, quote unquote win, in Texas and other states, it just amps up their side to think like, we're doing it, we're taking over. And it just really gets everybody amped up. And then uh, a hit list is going to show up again with doctors that are in those illegal states doing, you know, their work, but they're going to try to say like, but they know how to perform this. So they should be, you know, take their licenses away or, you know, put them in jail, whatever. Right. Who knows if they're still performing these procedures just because they're illegal, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm worried about, mainly. Right. I agree. <clears throat> People take things too far and into their own hands. Word. So. Oh, God. <sighs> um, speaking of taking things into their own hands, mm-hmm. the other incident that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. for, was the Army of God. Yes. The Department of Justice and Department of Homeland Security's Joint Terrorism Knowledge Base identified the Army of God as an underground terrorist organization active in the United States. It was formed in 1982 and is responsible for a substantial amount of anti-abortion violence. The group has committed property crimes, acts of kidnapping, attempted murder, and murder. While sharing a common ideology and tactics, members claim to rarely communicate to to avoid risk of information leaking to outside sources. So in August 1982, this is the Hector Zavallo's story, but um, three men identified as the Army God kidnapped Hector Zavallo's, the doctor and clinic owner, and his wife, Rosalie Jean, holding them for eight days and released them unharmed. And... Oh, yeah, we already fucking... Hold on, I'm trying to see what else is on here. Mm, okay. Um, law enforcement officials found the Army of God manual, a tactical guide to arson, chemical attacks, invasions, and bombings buried in 
Shelly Shannon's backyard, who was the woman that attempted to murder George Tiller the first time. Uh, so Paul Jennings Hill. Oh, wait, we already, I already talked about that motherfucker. So then the Army of God published a defense action statement signed by more than two dozen supporters of uh, Paul Jennings Hill saying that whatever force is oh, whatever force is legitimate to defend the life of a born child is legitimate to defend the life of an unborn child. If, in fact, Paul Hill did kill or wound abortionist John Brighton and clinic assistants James Barrett and Mrs. Barrett, his actions are morally justified if they are necessary for the purpose of defending innocent human life. The AOG claimed responsibility for Eric Robert Rudolph's 1997 shrapnel bombing of abortion clinics in Atlanta and Birmingham, and the organization embraces its description as terrorist. God damn. Mm-hmm. Oh, people make me fucking... It's like turns my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... So that was in the United States, and now we have a very small list of things that happened in Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, in February 25th, 1990, two men broke into a clinic in Vancouver and destroyed uh, $30,000 Canadian dollars. Is that their dollars, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure they are, yeah. Uh, worth of medical equipment with crowbars. On May 18th, uh, 1992, a Toronto clinic operated by Henry Morgan Taylor, Morgendorfer, (laughs) (laughs) was firebombed, causing the entire front wall of the building to collapse. The Morgan Taylor Clinic on Harvard Street in Toronto was firebombed during the night by two people, which was caught on security camera, using gasoline and a firework to set off the explosion. The next day, clinic management announced that the firebombing failed to prevent any abortions since all scheduled abortions were carried out in the alternative location. Mm-hmm. A portion of the Toronto women's bookstore next door was damaged, though. No one was hurt, but the building had to be demolished. What fucking monsters? Ugh. A bookstore? It was just minding its own business. <laughs> I know, for real. As a result of the arson, the Ontario government decided to spend $420,000 on improved security for abortion clinics. That makes me teary-eyed. The government wanted to gather information about activities by anti-abortion sympathizers at the time. Law enforcement agencies in Canada did not collect statistics about harassment and violence against abortion providers, their clinics, or their clients. Six months after the attack, the Toronto police force still had not made any progress progress in uncovering the attack, the attackers, any leads on suspects led to dead ends. Mm. That was annoying. On July 16th, 2001, Peter James Knight attacked a clinic in Melbourne, Australia, shooting and killing the security guard, Stephen Rogers. Steve mm-hmm. Rogers. Isn't that Captain America's name? Oh, I would not know. <gasps> what? I thought Hunter liked Marvel shit. Mm-mm. No? Nope. He's not that kind of nerd. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Knight brought ropes and gags into the clinic along with 16 liters of kerosene intended to burn all 15 staff and 26 patients to death. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Knight was charged and was sentenced to life in prison on November 19th, 2002. I didn't read how he didn't get, didn't go, like, who stopped him. Unless right. I'm wondering, the do they guard. tell people? Oh, yeah. Maybe that was kind of like a wake-up call. Maybe. But, like, do these people think they're, like, taking one for the team or something when they kill these people? Like, okay, I'm going to hell for sure, but at least all these people are, too, with me. Yeah, they're, they're with taking me. them. I mean, it's stupid, like, right? Uh, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how are you saving? So that's what I'm saying. Like, you, it doesn't make sense that you're trying to deter these, like, babies from dying, but then you're and you're trying to do like this godly thing, but like, you're not going to heaven now, according to your own beliefs. Like what the fuck? Right. And like, you don't feel bad that there's innocent people in there, or I guess they can't think of it that way. They have to think of everyone in there being guilty yeah, they of think something. Of everybody in there as being a fucking sinner, a fucking murderer, a baby killer, you know? It's right. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, on January 6, 2009, a firebombing using Molotov cocktails was attempted at a medical clinic in Mossman Park, Western Australia. Damage was minimal and only resulted in smashed windows and blackened external walls. Police believed graffiti saying baby killers on the building was related to the attack. However, the medical clinic did not actually offer abortion services. How are you going to be so fucking stupid? Like, yeah. Like, don't do your research? Yeah, like, how are you going to fuck that up? Like, you had... (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. Mm -hmm. In 1976, an arson attack was carried out at the Auckland Medical Aid Center, which was estimated to cause $100,000 in damages to the facility. The Auckland Office of the Sisters Overseas Service Organization was started... That same evening. Oh, interesting. In the late 1990s, Graham White, I I think that's his name, uh, was found guilty and sent to prison for tunneling into the abortion clinic with what the police described as incendiary devices. So after all of that, of course, I love this part of uh, Wikipedia but they have the list of depictions of anti-abortion violence in the media. Like whenever they add like shit that's like in the media at the end of their little mm. articles, I like. So that's what I'm about to do. List a bunch of shit that is mentioned in places. <laughs> <laughs> so in literature, the fourth procedure is a 1995 novel by Stanley Pottinger. And it's a medical thriller and murder mystery that depicts anti-abortion violence and its plot. Two men responsible for the bombing of an abortion clinic turn up dead with baby dolls surgically implanted inside of them. See what I'm saying? How fucking crazy is that? (laughs) Um, Insomnia, in 1994, by Stephen King, has much of the plot focusing around violent anti-abortion campaigners and their opposition of an abortion rights speech due to being held due to be held in their town the group murders several women they believe to be seeking abortions and attempts to assassinate the speaker they are motivated by a conspiracy theory and the speaker is part of a secret society 
that was a continuation of Herod's massacre of the innocents. They're, they murder the women that are trying to get an abortion. Yeah. You just kill yeah, so the baby. Yeah, so they killed the baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Where's where's their logic? Like, go I mean, down granted, with the ship type logic? Book, but still, it sounds like some shit that would happen. I mean, I that's going to yeah, happen. if they're... Yep. There's mm-hmm. a lot of but, them that tried to set shit to the... Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't. And if there's pregnant women in those clinics, then they're killing the pregnant women anyway. So it's like... Yeah. It's I think they just want them to die if they're going to kill their baby anyway. They just want them to suffer along yeah, with their baby. People just want to be fucking... Righteous. Yes. I hate it. Um, another... They're like, well, then just don't have sex. But it's like, okay, stop. <laughs> Easy yeah, for you to I say. I hate when people use that fucking Meredith. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I better stop. <laughs> um, Killing Babies, 1996 by T.C. Boyle, a highly controversial short story written in response to attacks on abortion providers. The story first appeared in The New Yorker and was included in the American, the best American short stories in 1997. Uh, Gideon's Torch, a 1995 novel by Charles Coulson and Ellen Centilli Vaughn, uh, begins with the murder of a doctor who provides abortions and chronicles political fallout from the murder and a resulting government crackdown on right-to-lifers. Um, in films, there's a film called Palindromes, a 2004 film directed by Todd Solons. It depicts the murder of an abortion doctor in his home, similar to the Barnett Slepian case. And in If These Walls Could Talk, a 1996 film directed by Nancy Savoka and Cher. What the fuck? <gasps> Never heard of it. The third time, the third time period. Am I reading this right? The third time period involves the shooting of a doctor performing an abortion. Okay. And in TV, Dignity, a 2009 episode of the crime drama Law and Order, was inspired by the killing of George Tiller and focused on the killing of an abortion provider by an activist. Abortion rights activists criticized the episode for making use of mainstream and anti abortion arguments. The National Organization for Women now uh, listed the episode in their media hall of shame saying it was loaded with anti-abortion sentiment and propaganda and that it outrageously implied that physicians like dr tiller may be culpable in their own murders because they themselves are baby killers meanwhile Mm -hmm. anti-abortion activists had condemned the killing of tiller that inspired the episode but praised the episode for being outright Mm pro-life with dave and drusco of the national right to life committee saying it occurred to me as I listened to their utter as I listened in utter astonishment that each of their of these observations could have been presented in a way that was artificial forced or as so often is in the case with network portraits of pro-lifers something that you would expect from an idiot none of that was the case these are real flesh and blood people not caricatures okay in Hammered, a 2009 episode of Law & Order SVU, oh, I think I remember this episode, it showed the possible motive of a murderer's anti-abortion violence. The Nuremberg Files site is mentioned in the episode when detective tells the 
doctor's ex-husband about the murder. The abortion clinic they visit has bulletproof glass because it has been the target of a sniper who shot and wounded a receptionist. When the detectives go to the clinic, they experience an egging of the clinic as they look into collecting several boxes of hate mail that the clinic received. I think I do remember that. In hmm. Thou Shall Not Kill, the 2002 premiere episode of the BBC series Spooks is about a fictional anti-abortion terrorist leader visiting the UK to establish a, t- a series of terror cells. In Pro-Life, a, 2000 th- a 2007 episode of the Showtime Masters of Horror TV series tells the tale of a Christian man whose daughter is raped by a demon. When she tries to have her unnatural child aborted, her Christian father starts hearing messages from a voice he thinks is God. He and her brothers storm the abortion clinic and kill any in their way. Whoa. What the fuck? That's drastic. That is crazy. But there's a demon involved. That, I want to watch that episode. Um, (laughs) Board of the Rings, a 2000 episode, a 2007 episode from the Sarah Silverman program, a radical anti-abortion group attempts to bomb an abortion clinic but are stopped by Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On Orange is the New Black, of course. Mm, Pensatucky. Yes, the character Tiffany Pensatucky Doggett was in prison for shooting an abortion clinic nurse after that particular person made comments on the number of abortions she had. The character mm-hmm. is portrayed as being a self-proclaimed evangelical Christian after the incident and is funded by pro-life groups. <laughs> mm-hmm. That one that, that one was, was fucking crazy. Yep. Pensatucky is like Pensacola. There you go. It's all that whole um it's it's its own genre, Ooh. is what that is. Category. Yes. And in music, which I was not expecting to be here. Uh, the song Get Your Gun from Marilyn Manson's 1994 album Portrait of an American Family is about the killing of David Gunn. was not aware of that. Interesting. The song Hello Birmingham from the 1999 album To the Teeth by An- oh my God. Annie DeFranco was hmm. written in, the respo- in response to the bombing in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama as well as the murder of Barnett Slepian in Amherst, New York, near DeFranco's hometown of Buffalo. The song FDK, which is Fearless Doctor Killers, from Mud Honey's 1995 album, My Brother the Cow, tells a story about a Baptist minister rapist who refuses to pay for an abortion, but will not support the child after it's born. It includes the repeated refrain, Save the baby, kill the doctor. The song I Need a Grip by Maggie Estep on her 1994 album No More Mr. Nice Girl is a response to anti-abortion violence. The song The Army of God by hardcore punk band Behind Enemy Lines on their 2003 album The Global Cannibal deals with the acts of terrorism and murder performed on abortion clinics and their staff. Lastly, Mm -hmm. the 1987 song I Blew Up the Clinic Real Good by contemporary Christian music singer-songwriter Steve Taylor criticizing anyone who claims to be a pro-life activist who would blow up abortion clinics or kill doctors. Mm-mm-mm. And that is that. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well. 
Oh my god. Mm-mm. But there it is. That's Mike's super short show. Well, good job. Um, definitely surprised me. Definitely goes with the time period we are currently in and sure living does. in. Mm-hmm. This weird reality that we're in right now. Yeah. Um. Well, um, the this happened last year. I wanted to mention it real quick. That when I was learning, okay, so let me just fill y'all in. On the other day, like over the weekend, I was watching a scary movie, and I thought it was going to be a really like more horror based film, but it ended up having truth to it, and it's called Madres, and it's on Amazon Prime, and it's a Blumhouse horror movie, so it's not very good, but um, eugenics, it comes, spoiler alert, if you were going to watch this, sorry, but it comes back around to say that in the 70s, it's like set in the 70s, and this Mexican-American couple move so that this man can manage a farm for his boss, and it comes to be that she thinks the pesticides are um, hurting the pregnant women that work on the farm or are exposed to the chemicals on the farm, yada, yada. It turns out that the hospital there is having women sign over pretty much their bodies and like doing hysterectomies on them and like tying their tubes and stuff. And they don't speak English, so they can't read the paperwork. And the doctors are just saying like, um, as soon as you sign, the pain will stop. We'll give you the medication you need. And they're, they're women that are in labor, like literally active labor. And they're being forced to sign paperwork. They can't read. They can't understand. Um, and it ended up being that that actually happened. And happened last year, actually, um, in an ICE camp in Georgia. And those women have not had justice yet as of today. Um, there was a whistleblower, this woman who is a nurse at the hospital, and she, you know, sacrificed her reputation and her job and, you know, everything that comes with coming out and saying what the doctors are doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. And so basically that's a form of eugenics by, you know, cutting off the opportunity of a woman to be able to conceive again. And this is what they're doing to immigrants that are here illegally and staying in these camps, um, they are having them sign these these papers that pretty much say, like, give me the surgery, that means I won't be able to have any kids. And they don't even know it until Mm -hmm. after they wake up and they find out that they won't be able to conceive. Mm -hmm. Um, So more than 40 women submitted testimony claiming abuse. Allegedly, they underwent invasive and unnecessary procedures. More women have joined an official legal petition alleging that they were medically abused by a gynecologist while in immigration and customs enforcement custody in a move that significantly significantly expands a case that has shocked America. The legal petition outlining these alleged abuses was filed in the Middle District of Georgia Federal Court late Monday night. More than 40 women have submitted written testimony attesting to claims of abuse. One attorney, attorney on their case said... These women who have been detained by ICE at Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia have alleged 
have alleged that they underwent invasive and unnecessary medical procedures. The women's attorneys have also alleged that these women endured retribution for speaking out, including deportation in some cases. The petition largely echoed past legal filings and accounts by accusers. Petitioners were victims of non-consensual medically unindicated and or invasive gynecological gynecological procedures, including unnecessary unnecessary surgical procedures under general anesthesia performed by and or at the direction of gynecologist Dr. Mahendra Amin. The petition said, in many instances, the medically unindicated gynecological procedures respondent Amin performed on petitioners amounted to sexual assault. What the fuck? Um, because I mean, it's their sex organs, I guess, and and they didn't give consent for you know mm-hmm. those to be worked on. So officials were aware of this alleged misconduct since 2018. The petition further alleged, but have nonetheless <clears throat> continued a policy or custom of sending women to be mistreated and abused. Um, but I'm not sure if there's any other abuse. Like maybe let's see the experiences petitioners had at the hands of respondent Amin form part of a distri- disturbing pattern of inhumane medical abuse and mistreatment at the ICDC. This is an effort to pr- protect women who have suffered horrendous medical atrocities while detained in U.S. custody, and every effort has been made to both ICE and contractors at this facility to cover up these medical abuses, said Alora Mukherjee, um, director of Columbia Law School's Immigrants' Rights Clinic, a leading attorney in the case. Um, And this is on theguardian.com. She added, for more than two years, both the government and the private contractors who run this facility have turned a blind eye to the enormous suffering and intentional harm and intentional medical abuse that has taken place here. It's unlike anything I ever expected to see in America. The women's allegations emerged after a shocking whistleblower report. This report, which was submitted on behalf of a former nurse at the facility, Dawn Wooten, alleged that an alarmingly high number of hysterectomies were performed on Spanish-speaking women. Mm -hmm. Wooten and other nurses feared that these women did not understand the procedures that they underwent. Wooten alleged that the doctor performing these procedures, who was subsequently named as gynecologist Dr. Mahindra Amin, had become notorious for performing these operations, so much so that she called him the uterus collector in her whistleblower account. Everybody he sees has a hysterectomy, just about everybody, Wooten stated in her complaint. I've had several inmates tell me that they've been to see the doctor and they've had hysterectomies. They don't know why they went or why they were that they're going. Wooten said that the medical center where these procedures were performed had unsanitary conditions as well as poor safety measures against COVID-19. Amin has denied the allegations and told The Intercept that he had only conducted one or two hysterectomies in the past two or three years. He did not specify whether these procedures were performed on women in Irwin. The physician's lawyer, Scott Grubman, Said in a previous statement, we look forward to all of the facts coming out and are confident that once they do, Dr. Amin will be cleared of any wrongdoing. ICE contended that its records indicate just two referrals for hysterectomies at Irwin's. The accusations have spurred comparisons with the U.S. disturbing history of eugenics. From 1907 to 1937, two-thirds of U.S. states passed laws that permitted involuntary, involuntary sterilization, resulting in the sterilization of more than 60,000 people. 
an increase in federal funding for reproductive health procedures in the 1960s and 70s in conjunction with racism and anti-immigrant sentiment resulted in tens of thousands of women of color undergoing sterilizations. Through mm-hmm. Though forced sterilization was made illegal, it has continued. From 1990 to 2013, approximately 1,400 inmates were sterilized in California prisons. What the fuck? So, yeah. If you... If people don't speak English, there is a chance that they're going to be, um, you know, forced. One woman kept saying no, like she was in pain and she, they kept trying to tell her, you know, sign the paper, sign the paper. And when she didn't do it, they couldn't like force her. But with, you know, you don't, you don't speak English, you know, you're just trying to get what you need and you trust that these doctors have your best interest Mm -hmm. and, and then for something like that, it just really made me upset. Like that movie was – the end was not um, – it wasn't what I expected, like seeing all that and how racist it really was, like yeah. trying to control who's having kids and stuff. It was just awful. But um, this was a good topic to cover, I think. And, you know, women everywhere are having these conversations I want to say mostly among their friend groups because it's just so sensitive a topic. And Mm -hmm. I hope that one day it's not going to be so sensitive. Like, I don't know. People should be able to come forward if they've had this done. I've already had a few ads on my TikTok that are, I guess, Planned Parenthood ads where women are coming forward and saying, I had an abortion, you know, a few years ago and it's gotten easier to talk about. But, you know, with all this stuff happening again where we're judging people and Yep. asking questions instead of just, you know, protecting each other. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look. So anywho, that was that. Was that. And as always, um, feel free to leave your comments on our Instagram, whether you agree, disagree. Violence is violence. And as far as I'm concerned, these doctors are not violently performing these abortions. So whatever. I'm just going to say it. Um, so yeah, uh, that was our show. Uh, make sure you give us a follow over on Instagram at G I M M E the creeps and on Twitter and, um, leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you are listening. Thanks again for listening guys. Instead of the traditional ending, I want to leave us with these words from the comedian George Carlin. Most of the people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place. Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with the fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. You're fucked. Conservatives don't give a shit about you until you reach military age. Then they think you are just fine, just what they've been looking for. Conservatives want live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers. Pro-life. Pro-life.
These people aren't pro-life. They're killing doctors. What kind of pro-life is that? What, they'll do anything they can to save a fetus, but if it grows up to be a doctor, they just might have to kill it? <laughs> They're not pro-life. You know what they are? They're anti-woman. Simple as it gets. Anti-woman. They don't like them. They don't like women. They believe a woman's primary role is to function as a broodmare for the state. Pro-life. You don't see any of these white anti-abortion women volunteering to have any black fetuses transplanted into their uteruses, do you? No, you don't see them adopting a whole lot of crack babies, do you? No, that might be something Christ would do.